0: my great aunt left me this big house and I just broke up with my boyfriend so I don't know what to do so I'm gonna move to my aunt's big house and there's a box in the attic with letters from her to my uncle and I'm gonna write a book about it.
1: Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today, we're discussing our favorite auto-buy authors. I'm Curtis.
0: And I'm Chelsea. To start each episode, we answer a listener question, and these don't necessarily have to be book-related, but they can be, and they can be silly or serious. You can submit them to us via direct message on Instagram or Twitter at HeReadSheRead, Read, or you can email us at he podcast at gmail.com. Today, our question is from Stacy, who asked us for tips on not getting overwhelmed by a huge to-be-read list. As a rereader, she feels like thinking about her never-ending TBR sometimes takes away the enjoyment from her rereads. You should understand this, Curtis. Mm-hmm. How do you manage rereading and a growing TBR pile?
1: Stacy, I feel your pain, but the number one thing you can do is just don't think about it. <laughs> Because if you do, it's going to drive you nuts. Um,
0: Easy for you to say. No, it's
1: true, though. Like, if you think about all the books that you have left on your shelf, logically, you would put down a favorite in favor of that. But I can already tell from the way that Stacy phrased this question. She's like me and a bunch of other rereaders out there where you want to revisit those stories and then you just have to balance that enjoyment with knowing that you have stuff that you haven't read on the shelf. So... I'm very much a compartmentalized person, so it's easier for me to look at my TBR and be like, okay, I could guess that I'm going to have this much enjoyment out of that book, or I know that I'm going to enjoy rereading this book. So it's it's really a balance. So if you allow yourself like one reread for a certain time period or read a certain number of books off your shelf that you haven't read before in order to get to a book you've already read... Like that could be some ways to do it is just set yourself some goals either to get through your tbr or something that's going to keep you going in favor of going back to an old favorite
0: um i've heard a lot of re-readers or i know people like this in my life who read a certain favorite book for a certain season Mm -hmm. so maybe that's something that helps Focus on the rereading experience without feeling too much like you're taking away from all the other books that you want to read. If it's more of like an established tradition of, well, I read this book every fall. I don't know, maybe that helps. I'm not a rereader, so... No,
1: but I think that that's a alternative method that makes sense. Now, when you originally brought this topic up, I thought we were talking about like autobiographies, but what in your definition is a auto-buy book?
0: Okay, today we're talking about our favorite auto-buy authors. Auto, like automatic, automatically buy. Purchase. So these are authors whose books you automatically buy pre-order or maybe even request at the library because you know that you're going to love their book. No matter the subject matter. This isn't necessarily a favorite series because obviously if an author is writing a series and you want to finish that series, that's a little bit different to me. Because you're fin- you're buying for the series, not necessarily just for the author. Okay. So like in our case, J.K. Rowling slash Robert Galbraith doesn't count because we're going to auto buy the Kormor and Strike series. But like anything she writes, I might not necessarily go for. Like I never plan on reading Casual Vacancy.
1: And I'll never go anywhere near Fantastic Beats. Yeah, no. Am I hitting lead off on this one? Go ahead. I'm ready. So this one was this concept in practice, but we didn't realize it. So when we were at a bookstore in Fort Worth a couple weeks ago, um, I saw this on the shelf. It's Charles Duhigg's. I think that's, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, It's Smarter, Faster, Better is the one that I picked up. But all I had to see was that he was the author of The Power of Habit. And no matter what the subject matter was, I was going to pick it up and take it home. Um, I read The Power of Habit probably two years ago at this point, And it's a reread where it, he talks about the psychology and mechanics of the human brain and how we form habits and then how we can also break habits. So I used it in some of the techniques to quit drinking monsters twice a day. And uh, I know, but I was a young platoon leader and he needed the caffeine. Um, But he had some really good techniques on there. And I'm kind of a little bit of a nerd. I don't know if you or the listeners will pick up on that one.
0: Oh, we know.
1: But um, (laughs) the brain and the psychology and all of that appealed to me. So it was a good way to know how you're thinking and how your brain works to formulate habits. And then now this one, as soon as I saw that he was out with a new book about productivity, then I'm all about it. So if he continues on this vein of research, on bringing in the mechanics of like how we do these things and how we're thinking, I'm all for it because it's a new aspect for me than just reading nonfiction history books. So we were going through the bookstore and I was in the nonfiction section and just saw the author, thought the binding looked cool, and then saw that it was the power of habit author and it's an auto buy for me
0: yeah that's pretty classic definition so my first pick for auto buy author is Jasmine ward and i don't own every book by her but um i do look for them when we go to bookstores because if i can't either if i can't find anything else that's catching my eye i know she's a good fallback because i like to own her books because I can see myself rereading them in the future or teaching them and it's nice to have like a guaranteed paperback to look for at a bookstore. So far my favorite book of hers is Salvage the Bones which tells the story of a family in the center of Hurricane Katrina. It's about love and loss and poverty. It's page turning like I just had to know it was going to happen to the family. It's absolutely heartbreaking, but it's so beautifully written, and she's such an amazing writer. I also read Sing Unburied Sing, and those are the only two that I've read by her, but I am really excited to work my way through her whole backlist. I would like to read The Fire next time, her essay collection, soon. Um, That's one that I've been hunting for at bookstores, but um, she's definitely an auto-buy for me when I see her works.
1: Not Salvage the Bones, was the other one? Sing Unburied Sing? Yeah. I see that one all the time and I like hear it mentioned on your podcast and so I grab it and push point, like show it to you and you're like, I've already read that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I'm helping.
0: So now, so now I know
1: that I keep looking for Jasmine Ward, but I just have to pick up something different.
0: Yes. Not Sing Unburied, Sing or Salvage the Bones. Okay. Just look for Jasmine Ward and then the other ones i don't have. I got it. I'm, I'm good. <laughs>
1: Uh, My second one is going to be Tony Dungy books. Um, I don't think I've mentioned any sports authors or anything um, up to this point on the podcast, but he was a NFL head coach uh, for about 10, 15 years with the Buccaneers and then the Indianapolis Colts.
0: After playing, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, he was a defensive back for a while, um, but he's more known for being the first African-American to win a Super Bowl as a head coach. Um, I've picked up Uncommon which is about finding your path to significance in 2011, I believe. Um, and it was after I was going through some stuff with mental health and not really knowing where my path was going and trying to align myself mentally with where I wanted to be. Um, and this was a great way for me to focus a lot of that energy about like the person that I wanted to become, the significance that I wanted to have in the world and with my friends and with my family, Um, He takes it from a Christian perspective, which if you are opposed to that or not wanting to, just as a disclaimer. But um, he's written a couple of other books that I just automatically buy him every time I see him. His first book was um, Quiet Strength, and then he also did The Mentor Leader. So a lot of his books deal with coaching and mentorship and football, obviously. So as a sports fan, as somebody who coaches and mentors and is in a leadership role, it was really good and provided a lot of tools for me over the years. And I've been through Uncommon and Mentor Leader multiple times. And he also wrote a marriage book with his wife that I went through, I think probably within our first two years of being married. Um, and hopefully I'm doing a good job and you want to stick it out.
0: <laughs> <My> goodness. <laughs> Because it's all about whether you read the right book, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but it, it's really about how to focus your energy, and if you're looking to have significance in, in the world and how to interact with people, um, it's good ones.
0: Do you think he'll come out with any more books?
1: I should, I'm sure he will. Um, he's not coaching anymore. He's on TV. So he's in that mindset where if he has something to say, he'll keep doing it. Mm -hmm. So if you've got any uh, people in your life that like sports or men in your life that don't like to read, maybe this would be a good one to throw their way. Um, I'd I'd start with Quiet Strength because that's like his memoir that talks about his life and coaching um, and then go from there if they like it.
0: Good idea. Actually, that sounds like maybe you're due for a reread on that one.
1: Maybe. Yeah.
0: Maybe about time. Yeah.
1: Let's look at you trying to encourage rereading.
0: Before we get to my next auto-buy author, just wanted to give a little shout out to the guests of our previous episode. Last week, we had the chance to chat with Dorian and Harmony, founders of the Literacy Lounge subscription box. Literacy Lounge is a monthly subscription box that highlights Black literature and offers a simple approach to self-care and a better reading life. In our November box that we received from them, We got a copy of Nafisa Thompson Spire's story collection, Heads of the Colored People, along with an amazing locally made candle and other self-care products. Each box is carefully curated to match the theme of the book and to include encouragement for your self-care journey. Literacy Lounge boxes make great gifts. You can purchase a gift subscription and other merchandise through their website. Go to theliteracylounge.com and click on Gift Shop. Or if you would like to purchase a one, three, or six month subscription for yourself, go to theliteracylounge.com and click on subscribe. The next author on my list is Beatrice Williams, and she writes historical fiction. I'm behind on her backlist, but I do have half a shelf full of her books. So I don't remember when I first started reading her stuff, but... I would describe her historical fiction as smart, but like juicy, really good summer books like beach reads, because I feel like they're really page turning and entertaining, but great strong characters. Her main characters are typically strong heroines who are figuring out their professions and their relationships within a historical context. So my favorite one so far was *The Secret Life of Violet Grant*, which goes back and forth between 1912 and 1964, and it introduces the Schuyler family, which that goes into a series about the Schuyler sisters. Yeah, get that one. Are we talking unrelated? Are we
1: talking Anne Peggy? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry.
0: 1912 and 1964, huh? Okay, well... But, like, Skyler is ask. is a name, so they're, like, a wealthy, powerful family. So it's it's not like those were the only Skylers, Anyway, um, there's a little bit of mystery, a little bit of romance. I have kind of gotten sick of the, like, back and forth between time periods trope in historical fiction. But Williams really makes it work. And like I said, it's just really good summer beach reading. Um, Next, I would like to read Tiny Little Thing, which is the next in the Skylar Sister series. But mostly I just, I really need to work through those books on my shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Next time I need something a little bit lighter. They're not, they're not quite fluffy because they do deal with like social issues. And I don't know, they're not quite fluffy, but they're definitely, I don't know, they're like a little palate cleanser for me.
1: I think it's funny that you said that you're getting a little bit sick of the timeline jumping and we're in the middle of outlander right now (laughs) do you feel like you're um
0: but outlander doesn't go back and so i'm talking about the books that like every other chapter goes back and forth
1: Mm, okay that makes more sense and
0: like it's a character who like, oh, my great aunt left me this big house and I just broke up with my boyfriend, so I don't know what to do. So I'm going to move to my aunt's big house and there's a box in the attic with letters from her to my uncle and I'm going to write a book about it. That's what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> Weirdly specific, but...
0: <laughs> you know what? That's specific. It sounds specific, but that's actually the plot of like half of the historical fiction out there. <laughs> And I'm not saying I haven't read a lot of books like that and enjoyed it, but... Yeah, that,
1: That's not a, a realm that I'm usually in, uh, even though one of my favorite books of all time is a historical fiction, but yeah, um, I don't know. It seems like that was just weirdly specific. That applies to a lot of different stories, apparently.
0: <laughs> yep. But Beatrice Williams, if you haven't read her and you like historical fiction, what are you doing with your life? She's great. Okay. What's your third autobuy author.
1: So with the first one, I kind of told a story about when we actually were in a bookstore and this principle was in effect. This third author I've mentioned before and kind of shows the importance of the autobuy philosophy. I'm going to talk about Michael J. Sullivan again. Um, His Theft of Swords trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies of all time. And for his New books that came out as kind of like a prequel and his second book was sitting in my amazon cart for probably a year and i was like not getting around to it even though i was had it in there since it was on pre-order status and then it turned out that the first run of the hardcover was selling out and the publishers had hiked the price up to like 78 dollars and were gouging everything um and i went on his website and actually got a newsletter from him um, because he's in very good communication with his readers. And he was saying that he had bought up all of the remaining stock of the book and was selling it for the list price. So from now on, I'm going to pre-order everything that he puts out just because I, number one, know that I love all the stories, even with the new characters and the new time periods. It's just the writing style that I really enjoy. But he also cares about his readers. So he saw something that was happening that was an unjust thing by these publishers and he did something nice for us.
0: Plus, I don't know if you knew this, but I learned this from Ann Bogle. <laughs> I know you're shocked. Shocked. Um, but pre-orders make a big difference in how publishers make decisions about how many copies To go to print. Yes. So So if you do pre-order all of his books, then you could be preventing that very thing from happening again.
1: So that's kind of my wanting to support an author that's not really well known, but is very involved with his readers. And I want to support him in my little way. So I'm going to be pre-ordering all of his books.
0: I feel like there are probably a lot of people, fantasy readers, either who follow us on Instagram or listen to this podcast, who would love Michael J. Sullivan which other authors can you compare him to? Like, if you read blank, you would like him.
1: Hmm. I mean, I came from the George R. R. Martin school of Game of Thrones, so it's it's got some of the sarcasm and the snappy dialogue, without all of the gratuitous, you know,
0: violence, s-
1: sexual behavior, and violence. So that's not a big focal point of his books. I- I'd say it's more accurate to like a Patrick Rothfuss. Um, name of the wind where it's got friendships are a big central focus dialogue is very important and it's just reads like a television show where it's got the snappy dialogue people going back and forth so I, i'd equate it to more of like the patrick Rothfuss school than uh, george r. r martin
0: i'm just saying this is your chance to get his name out there why do
1: you think i'm bringing him up again <laughs> I've, hey, I've, do you think
0: that he would come on our podcast if we asked him i have no idea we should ask <laughs> We should. I don't know. You should write him an email. You
1: should I, do it. I did say when he was coming out with their like special editions that are going to be on like special hardcovers and cool manuscripts, that um, as bonus points, it was like we have a podcast and I talk about you on my podcast. So we'll see if I.
0: Oh, did you have to like get on a wait list to purchase those? Yeah,
1: and you had to. You gave you got a certain number of points for how many books you had purchased and. Um, if you've written reviews or talked yeah. about them on other media, so wow. So when those come out, we'll see how that goes.
0: I still, I think you should email him like after we record this and see <laughs> what happens.
1: Well, we'll find out. <laughs> the lesson there, people, is if you have authors that you support, just pre-order their books.
0: Okay, my final author is another historical fiction, and this really reflects. Like, Jasmine Ward reflects the reader that I have become really loving good literary fiction, but Beatrice Williams and Kate Quinn, these two historical fiction autobi authors for me, very much represent, like, the reader that I was as a kid, reading just nothing else. So Kate Quinn is the author of The Alice Network, which is a spy romance historical fiction novel.
1: Ooh, hitting some good benchmarks.
0: I actually think this is one that you would enjoy. Um, it's an adventure, great writing, really good historical detail, awesome characters. I was really invested in their story. So she's got a new book coming out in 2019 called The Huntress. And the new book... One of the main characters is a female Russian bomber pilot. So she's been writing these untold stories of women in World War II. Mm -hmm. Some of whose information was classified and it's just now becoming available to the public. Yeah. Because like a lot of the spies and stuff, we couldn't know that information. But now it's all coming out. So she just does a really great job with research. But... I've discovered she has a really long backlist, too. So she has a series about Rome and about the Borgia family. Is that how you say it? That is how you say it. Okay, just making sure. So I'm interested in trying those, and it's potentially another Beatrice Williams situation for me where I'm interested in each new book that she comes out with, but Mm -hmm. I'm still working through her backlist. She gets great reviews from none other than Diana Gabaldon, So that's a winning endorsement. I
1: feel like that was a little bit of speaking of the devil situation. We were just talking about (laughs) Outlander a little bit ago.
0: And I actually, I do think the Kate Quinn books might have jumped time a little bit. So it's not that I don't ever like when authors do that, but it has to be done really well. Mm -hmm. And it has to be a new story.
1: I feel like I would like that Huntress one because I just bought that, um historical book about female soldiers in In russia Russia in world war ii so that might be a good one-two punch whenever i get around to it
0: that's as i was typing this up that's what i was thinking about was that i think that could be a really interesting pairing yeah um i don't remember what it was
1: called but we'll throw it in the show notes
0: yeah um so i i will definitely read the huntress probably will pre-order that one um and then maybe i'll read the nonfiction book that you have after that
1: yeah that'd be a nice little one two combination i think so do you have any authors that used to be auto buys for you and for some reason or another just aren't anymore
0: um i don't think so here's the thing i haven't always been much of a book buyer
1: right that really
0: mostly started from your influence well you're welcome (laughs) Because when you go on bookstore dates, you inevitably end up buying Buying some more books. And because you're more of a collector. And also I just think maybe because I've reached adulthood where like books can sit on my shelf as decor, etc. But I haven't really always been a book buyer, I guess. I mean, there are so many series that I went through as a kid. That's what I think of. But yeah, I don't think so. Do you have one?
1: Well, the only circumstance that I can think of is if the author passes away and then for some reason the publisher or ghost writers just attach themselves to the project and then run rampant with it long after the original author has passed three series that I think of are like in order of when it happened would be like the Robert Ludlum, Jason Bourne books that have been continuing on for like the last 15 years. Um, the Tom Clancy books since he passed and then most recently with Vince Flynn, um, haven't touched any, well, I, I read two of the newest Vince Flynn books which is a shame for me because he was my favorite author for years and I and met you, him a couple times
0: you were like on the launch team for yeah a couple I, of those yeah I
1: had I was an ambassador for the Mitch Rapp project where I would get the galleys and get some feedback and I just can't pick them up anymore because there's too much noticeable gap in the new author that took over versus what they used to offer so I feel like that's the only time where an auto buy will go by the wayside for me is if I love the author a lot and then if they pass away and they continue to like pump out books because they're not the same.
0: Yeah, like that's obviously not going to happen with a Michael J. Sullivan because Mm. he's not the publishing houses mm-hmm. workhorse well you like, know
1: what i think about that could happen is george rr R. martin keels over one day and somebody's gonna, somebody's have to gonna, write gonna that finish book. the series and they're just gonna be terrible so that that's my major fear with that man as he ages is he keeps pushing out books that are like prequels and i'm like bro you've got two books to finish in this song of ice and fire and he's not a young man anymore he could die
0: do you think See, here's what I think would happen versus another possibility you can decide. So either he takes all of that shit to his grave because when he dies in the middle of writing the final book, he just wants that to be like the red wedding of book publishing. That'd be
1: so (laughs) terrible. What what about other two?
0: Or he has the last, let's just say he's got the last two books totally sketched out because it seems like he's had this series planned what's going to happen from the beginning.
1: Right. And when they were finishing up the television show, they had to go to him and kind of go back and forth with what was going to happen Right. What I would love if he passed was if the two creators of the TV show kind of collaborated because they had so much time with him and finished up the books.
0: But I'm saying if he has his outlines and he's got all of the materials like sketched out for it, mm-hmm. if they did go back as long as he had the material for them to do it that it's still coming from him yeah
1: that'd be my hesitation though if somebody had to take over i'd be like this this just isn't gonna be as good
0: but i just don't see that happening as much as i see him just like
1: taking it with him to the grave with him
0: oh that'd be such (laughs) a ballsy move though just
1: oh going out like a boss (laughs) i'm taking all the secrets with me yeah that'd be the ultimate season or episode nine of any season where it's just like the backbreaker yeah i don't even want to think about it
0: <laughs> sorry i went there <laughs> <laughs> what is your recommendation of the week
1: so i'm talking about a biography shocker um destiny and power the american odyssey of george herbert walker bush by john meacham um, I have not read this yet, but it's been up on my shelf prominently where all my other presidential biographies are for a while. Um, he wrote it in 2015, so it's relatively recent. And um, Meacham actually was one of the eulogizers for H.W. Bush at his funeral. So he's well tied in with the family. He kind of falls in my vein of former um, magazine or newspaper journalist who's in touch with the politics and does a lot of research. So um, if anybody's looking for a good biography with the recent passing of President H.W. Bush, this would be my number one recommendation. What's your recommendation for the week?
0: My recommendation is what I've been listening to almost nonstop. I've been listening to the Ingrid Michaelson Christmas playlist on Spotify. I've always really loved Ingrid Michaelson's music. And that's coming from someone who doesn't listen to a lot of music. Mm -hmm. But I've always really loved her. And I like her Christmas album that she came out with this year. I think it's called Songs of the Seasons or something. But I like her Christmas playlist because it includes some of her songs and some classics. So one song that I love is her duet with Leslie Odom Jr. singing All I Want for Christmas is You. It's a good rendition.
1: Now, when we were going through our notes... I said that out loud and all of a sudden started playing on the Echo Dot from Amazon. (laughs) I just had the look of looking at you just like, did I do that?
0: I clicked on it. (laughs) And it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a good rendition. I mean, I'll listen to Leslie sing anything.
1: Put those nationwide commercials on repeat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Touche. He has a Christmas album too, though. And that's really good as well. Yeah, he's
1: he's got to capitalize now. While he's in the public consciousness.
0: Yes. Anyway, Ingrid Michelson's Christmas playlist on Spotify.
1: You know, for Christmas, I'm just always about Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So that's what what I've had going on in the car. Well, first, we want to say thank you to everyone for subscribing and sharing He Read, She Read. We love reading your comments, posts, and reviews. Our buddy read for the month of December is Devil in a Blue Dress by Walter Mosley. And that episode will air on December 25th. And if you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please do. Those written reviews make a huge difference and where we're able to reach this podcast out to people. Connect with us via social media or email. Twitter and Instagram, we're at Read, read, and email Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Thank you for listening. And remember, the couple that reads together
1: doesn't remember who did the last closing of the episode.
0: (laughs) That's the couple that podcasts together. That's a whole other thing. Maybe we need to start writing these down. We should. It's just making me think of um, Mrs. Maisel, where she...
1: Thinks that thinks. she's got it, and <laughs> she, then she doesn't? Because no. she bombs?
0: <laughs> she thinks she's got it. She bombs, and then she goes to the joke writer, and he writes all the jokes on flashcards, and all the jokes flop. What's yeah. that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs>